Welcome to episode 54 of the Muck Podcast, where we discuss the dark and sometimes weird true stories in American politics. I'm Tina Jaramillo. And I'm Hillary Doherty. Hillary. <laughs> Let me say something real quick. Are you going to talk about the two people yes. we spoke to yesterday? Oh. Tina, you know, we've been sitting across from each other for a year now, so you're basically like... <laughs> reading my mind constantly <laughs> you know and I because of our wrap-up show that we did the year yes. end, I went back and listened to a lot of episodes and sir, I gotta tell you I'm a fan of the muck podcast <laughs> <laughs> I like the muck podcast I like it too I mean my voice is it oh bothers no, the fuck no out of me, I, it's so good the stories are so funny okay and they're so good but the Ruth Bader Ginsburg one had me dying yesterday. When you bring up Hobby Lobby, Ugh. I was dying. So I, still I wanted hate to Hobby Lobby. everybody, <laughs> yeah, everybody should go listen to the Hobby Lobby on part. It's so fucking funny. And uh, anyway, I just kudos to you for a wonderful oh, show, Tina. Excellent kudos show. Kudos to you. <laughs> but yes, so yeah, we have been really working hard to get. Great guests on Lil Muck. Yes. I think that is a shining gem of our podcast. I, I mean, we have it. these stars. Incredible, of- <laughs> incredible people. Yes. And, but we have these subjects we cover every week on the regular Muck podcast. Yes. And they're, you know, shiny examples of like turds in yes. America. But, um, the Lil Muck is really like, it's turning me on, man. Yes. I love it. It's like my favorite thing to do oh. is to have these guests. And, and there's so, people, there are people doing good things so that yes, we can say, yes, yes, there is a lot of muckiness, but yes. there are people trying to yeah. avoid the muck yes. and expose the muck yeah. and doing you know, the work. So I wanted to just give like a heads up because this is coming out this Wednesday, which is what, the 6th, I think, yes. um, this episode that we're, we're yeah, the 6th. And um, Lil Muck comes out every other Friday. So the yes. 15th is the next one. I hope you caught the first one with Nancy Mateo. Oh, Nancy. Who is the first so black good. woman, Haitian-American woman elected to the city of Coral Springs, which is here in South Florida. But she's an environmentalist. And so talking about the environment, how important it is, and contacting your local officials. It was just such a fucking great episode. Yes, so, so and good. And just Nancy is like the sweetest person and soul ever. Um and then, okay, so the 15th, we're going to be yes. talking about a, a law. Stand called your ground. Stand your ground yes. in Florida. We're going to talk to a Harvard professor who talks about the history and really what the law is doing here in Florida yes, and, and across she, the country. Yeah, and she wrote um, an incredible book about it. And yes. so she knows a lot about that background. Yes. And we're going to talk to a prosecutor from Miami-Dade County who is going to talk to us about what it's like in the courtroom when stand your ground is brought up and how you how what you need to do when you're in that Ugh. courtroom and then also the effects of the law in the courtroom right. you know, how it affects cases etc cetera, etc cetera. so that is really important to me because stand your ground as we'll hear on the show yes. isn't just in florida these laws are popping up They're all, over, all the country. over yeah like florida of course is like the the great start to yeah, the this premier, wonderful thing of course <laughs> um and then Ooh. honey yes honey, hold on to your hats we talk on january 29th we just recorded it yesterday it's such a shame that's not coming out for another like 20 days but yes but you guys are gonna love it gonna love it so i've talked like the last episode i talked about red tide radio and they're on soundcloud and it's tomas kennedy and gerald doherty and the host and we have them on little yes and, and i was a fangirl yes hillary was wreck. hillary was shaking yeah my she hands was were shaking. so excited I was because you know what and then afterwards I'm editing it I'm listening to it I'm like hanging on every word like <laughs> oh right but it was very good I'm these these 
guys are so informed, so smart, so smart, intelligent, and they are they are doing the work. They they're are in there doing the work, and they're part of some great organizations. Yes. And and you also, know, like I like I say on that, episode, so important. It's so important. But I say it on the episode, and you feel this way, and I'm just like not there at all. But that you have to stay positive. You have to do the work. You have, you to, keep have going. to be involved. If you can't sit and go, oh, the party is a piece of shit, and then just stand there, yeah. right? Like you can't criticize something that you're not even actively trying to be a part of or change. Yeah. And he's, they're absolutely and right. They're and they're in there. absolutely right. And, and they're Alfredo in it. Is absolutely, yes, yes and they're they, in it. They're in it. And so I, um, at the end of the podcast, the episode though, they said they're fanboys. And does that mean that they like listen to the show? Like, I wish we had clarified that because I was so <laughs> like, oh my God, what? Like you're a fan? Like that's so cool. Well, like yeah. I, I <laughs> such a freaking idiot. But uh, anyway. Well, I'm hoping that they do listen. I think Me that too. they would like the show. I think so too. So I really want to thank all of these guests who have even yes. last season came on Little Muck. This oh season, oh my god, we and, had incredible and from the start, from the yeah, get go. We yes, had yes. a great, great, great Pulitzer guest. Prize winning yes. uh, journalist on our first Brittany yeah. Wallman. But um, anyway, so more, even better, and more guests coming in yes. the next in twenty twenty one and uh, yeah. And January's if you guys have any um, suggestions for Little Muck, or if you know people, you know in your communities that you think would be a great addition to the show, send us an email. Please, yeah. We'd love to talk to you, community activists and leaders or journalists or anybody on the ground anywhere doing the work. Like, it's it's so important to highlight these things and and get it out to people. And and so, anyway, I'm just fucking thrilled with Lil Mug. Yes. I'm so excited about it. And uh, here we are now, back on Mug. Here we go. I can't hear what... Can't wait to hear your story today. All right. Well, today mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you the story of Raimundo Atesiano of Biscayne Park, Florida. Really? Yes. Is this an Italian? Uh, Italian? No, I, I know. No? I think. Okay. No, 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 no. I think it's Hispanic. In 2011, mm-hmm. former Biscayne Park police chief Raimundo Ray okay. Atesiano was named Officer of the Year for his exemplary performance. Mm-hmm. But when a closer look at his crime-solving tactics reveals a conspiracy to frame innocent black folks for crimes they didn't commit, <sighs> he faces his own criminal charges. You know, can we please stop this now? Can what you, in the fuck? This really like happened very, very recently, and I feel like... I, this wasn't splashed on the papers well, enough. Was it, did you say Miami or Miami Beach? At Biscayne Park. Okay, but that's. Which is, it's, um, it's nestled in between mm-hmm. um, North Miami, like East and Miami Shores. Okay. And it's small. It's like the small little right, right. community. But it is incredible. And when we, we've actually talked about. Uh, the death penalty, I yes. think recently on one of our episodes, and we talked about how innocent people, like, this is the kind of shit that happens. Yes. But it's been happening forever. Forever. Yeah. So, Biscayne Park is this small little town. So, I mm-hmm. want to give you a little bit of background on the city and a little bit, tiny bit on him, and then I'm just going to kind of get into okay. what he did. So, Biscayne Park, Florida is this small town. It was annexed by the city of Miami back in 1925. So, around the time of the Great Depression, they kind of, I guess, used that as a way to say, like, we're our own little community. And they changed their name from city to village. So, it's a village of Biscayne Park. And it's tiny. Right. It was incorporated by 19, um, in 1931 by 131 citizens. So wow. Tiny little place. 
And like I said, it's between North Miami East and Miami Shores. And as of the last census, there was about 3,000 people in the village. And currently, there are about 12 people and on the police framing force. people? He's framing people. Oh, my God. This is like, this is like so, such a bizarre little story. Because yeah. it's this little town. You know, how much crime can really be... Ha- I'm you sure can't crimes- solve... With 3,000 people, you can't figure you out can't figure who out did what's the crime. Going on. So, I, I just... I just can't imagine like there being like, yeah, I get it. You need a small police force. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. But prior to his time in Biscayne Park, uh, John Dorshner of the Biscayne Bay Times reports that Atisiano worked for Sunny Isles Beach Police Department, but was fired mm. for falsifying a police report. Oh. But they hired him anyway. Uh. So here's a guy who already has a record for making things up. He comes into this town in 2010. The arrest rates soar, 305 arrests, and he wrote 2,236 traffic tickets in 2011. So so no one's going, right. wow, here's this new guy. Yeah. He was fired for falsifying information. Now suddenly there's all these reports. Please. And but also they're just like, like, wow, look at this super cop. He's uh, really getting in there. He's, super cop is you know, the worst thing I've ever heard yeah. in my life. <laughs> super cop. Yeah. Look at, look at like all gung the gung-ho yeah. out to like save the world. Yeah. Oh, Tina, no. But instead, instead, what they do is in 2013, they made him police chief. Oh, yeah. He's doing a great yeah. job. Well, and he also got an award. Police chief. Um, oh he did. He, in, uh, back in 2011, he, like I said, he made those 2,000 traffic stops and all of those arrests. And again, there's 3,000 residents in the town. I feel like that is a lot of arrests. And WSVN 7 further notes that under Atesiano, an additional 880. Eight arrests occurred in 2013. But you know, could people be coming to this village and like speeding through town and yeah, like or- things like that? That's, okay, but well, still- they had a, they did have a sign that was like, "Don't even think about speeding here." Like they were Ugh. really, you know. So allegedly, according to the AP, as reported by the Sun Sentinel, Atisiano wanted to up his crime solving rate. And I get it. I get it. You want to prove your worth. Mm-hmm. You're this police chief. And you want to show like we're solving every crime. But to fudge records to do so, I feel like it's a little crazy. Like, but, yeah, but also like to who? Like who's looking? Who gives a the shit? The commissioner. I like mean, he's trying to impress people. No, it's so stupid. It's so stupid. <laughs> it's so stupid. And he probably gets paid a good Look amount at of how money. great my detecting skills are. Oh, like, God. please. <sighs> so he conspires to put a plan in place to demonstrate this record of crime busting. And... To have crime stats, you need crimes and you need criminals to pin those crimes on. Come on. So this is this officer of the law, this appointed official decided to jail human beings (gasps) to make his arrest record look good. I mean, this is what he did. Like just to say like. so much psychological fuck happening here. It's so messed up. And like I said in the beginning, he primarily framed people of color for crimes they didn't commit just to like achieve these arbitrary made up goals that he set right right to make him look like yeah. this good cop it is the most bizarre it, thing i've ever heard just do your job why do you have to make it like you're the best right. of, uh, who cares well the miami herald also posited that um he that racial bias was like a mm. motivator as well as mm. like you know this thing 
And it's just so disgusting. And I can't even imagine being on the other end of this guy and having to go to jail. Yeah. And you did nothing. And you're and going, you did hey, nothing. I didn't do yeah. anything. But of course, nobody listens yeah. because you're a person of color and who gives a fuck, right? And I, and I feel like, you know, we see this happen where a prosecutor and a jury will convict someone who's innocent of a crime. Um, but this... I feel like it's even worse because this is people that are just basically framing you. Wow. You know, it's such an abuse of power. But even like, again, the reasoning behind it makes no sense. It makes you no did sense. a story a couple of weeks ago about that governor. I think it was Indiana or Illinois, Indiana, Illinois, where he, yeah, Illinois, with, the, Illinois. with the Department of Transportation. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. But the whole point of that scandal, even though money. people's money, yeah. was money. That yeah. was the payoff. We're going to set up the scam yeah, no. and we're going to get, what is the fucking point in this? Just that, to get good stats and be like a pat on the back? Yes, like daddy to be issues? like, look, like I, uh, there's, there's, you know, 50 crimes and I solved so, all 50. Because of this man's poor self-esteem. Yes. And needing to have daddy, you know, love me, love me, yes. love me. He's putting people in fucking He's jail. putting people He's in setting jail. them up. Well, yes. that's nice. It's so... Again, the, the frail, and fragile again, male ego. Well, and again, but why was it... And I get it was like this small town, but to me, like, this is... Cr like, I feel like, why didn't I hear about this? We live yeah. here, and yeah, yeah. I don't remember hearing the story. Either. I don't either. Like, but again, where's the outrage? On one of our upcoming episodes, you'll hear about yeah. uh, historical <laughs> amnesia, which yes. is like incredibly accurate and should be the name the subtitle of this podcast yes yes <laughs> hear about be. all the historical amnesia in this country oh my gosh so um one of the people he set up was a 16 year old um, oh and this is a child so instead of protecting him he preyed upon him and uh, essentially what he did was he chose victims who already had criminal pasts right <sighs> So he used their past against them to set them up to take the fall for crimes. And and it wasn't like murder or any, you know, it was like B&E, you know, like these breaking entry, but burglaries, enough. but enough to still yeah. send someone to jail. Wow. So you being this kid's parent? Oh, my God. Come on. So the U.S. Attorney General's Office of the Southern District of Florida further noted that in order to maintain this, quote, fictitious 100% clearance rate of mm -hmm. burglaries, he would encourage officers to arrest people without cause, and he got other officers to do this. And as the chief, this is what he expected. And the Innocence Project further corroborates this, noting that in an internal investigation, several officers claimed that in order to make the stats look good, they were ordered to file false charges. Wow. So that's how, you know, I'll get into how he gets caught. So they also noted that in 2013, uh, Atesiano announced that this, so he went to the commission meeting to brag about how he had a hundred percent clearance rate mm. for the burglaries. Meanwhile, it's all fake, but he's there at the commission meeting like, Hey, and he's at the podium, like what, this is our, our stats and a hundred percent clearance rate and we're amazing and all of this. It's so narcissistic. I hate him. He's, he's crazy. And remember when we go back to that, 808 arrests that he had in that year in 2013 that's one in four people of of Biscayne Park that's a lot of people yeah one in four getting arrested I mean, <laughs> so here's the worst part because here's the thing this guy's in his head he's doing his work he's running around like an asshole right did do right where are the other people where are the other cops the other commission the people who are in charge going this sounds a little like, weird. Nobody yeah. says, like, this is so fucked up. Yeah, to go from such a small rate yeah. to such a huge rate. Or are they just like, wow, this cop is so great. He's finding or everybody. Or wouldn't you, wouldn't you say, I didn't know our crime was this bad. Like, right. I realized we or, had this or much shit going on here. There were these burglaries, but then 
um, you know, sometimes things don't get caught. Sometimes someone's going to grab a computer out of okay. your car window it go, yeah. and it goes unsolved. Who the hell knows who did it? But right. now they have someone for it, right? So maybe the crime rates were about right, but it's the arrest to show like all of these have been solved, right? That's where he's showing like, look at how great I am. So they're like, wow, this cop has come in and he's so incredible that he can find out, right? you know, who's committing all these crimes. Right. It's wild. So the Innocence Project also revealed that a former city manager, Heidi Shafron, received letters about the department targeting mm. blacks. Oh. So she hired a private investigator. Go girl. So Shafron claimed, quote, the letter said police were doing a lot of bad things. It said police officers were directed to pick up people of color and blame the crimes on them. So she was getting letter after letter after letter. Okay. And so she hires someone and that's when this internal investigation okay. kind of starts happening. Good. So one officer even said that the mission of the department under Atisiano was, quote, if you see anybody black walking through our streets and they have something of a record, arrest them. <gasps> it's hideous. It's hideous. So it's basically stop and frisk, like it's, in New it's, York. It's insane. Right? You look at somebody, the police could look at somebody and go, and go because of their racial bias, yes. that's their, it was like yes. 99% more likely that a black yes. person was stopped than a white person. It's yes. the same fucking thing. It's the thing. same thing. And this isn't, and 2000, then you run their name. this isn't 2010, 2011, 2013. Like, come on. Holy shit. You know what I mean? Like, this no. is, it, it's, I, I don't even have words. I don't have words. So the investigation starts to heat up, but it's not really public because that city manager hired that private investigator. Mm. And this is a small town. Right. So keep this it, is keep, happening. Keep it it's kind of quiet. And he, uh, Atesiano, resigns in 2014. Okay. And so that's sort of it. So New York, I'm, I'll yeah. go into what happens, but New York Magazine reported that in 2015, right? So he resigns in 2014. Then in 2015, this made me laugh. There were 19 burglaries, and none of them were reported as solved. <laughs> oh, my God. Because, you know, sometimes, like, like yeah. you know, you can't find it. But under him, they would all have been solved, yeah. right? So they forgot. How, maybe they all forgot how to investigate because they've been lying so much yeah. and, like, falsifying things. They're like, rusty. They don't, they, they, they don't know how to do it anymore. They don't have any more tools in their toolbox. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I was is there, like, is there a black one. person walking down the street we can oh pin this on? Oh, my God. It's so awful. <laughs> so. Dick. According to Doshner, uh, the Florida Department of Law Enforcement um, and the Miami-Dade State's Attorney's Office start digging into the arrest records of that town. So he resigns, but at the same time, the state, mm. you know, you're, they're going to see these numbers and they're probably going to go, wow, this little town, there's all of the arrests. That's a little weird. So they start digging in. So <laughs> now this is happening, like that private investigation happened, but now the state is involved. Okay. And the Miami-Dade State Attorney's Office is involved because they're like, let's let's look yeah. a little closer. So did the city manager allow him to resign, get the fuck out of town, don't come back here? Yes. We're done with this. Yes. Uh, well, I, so, I, I'm glad she did the investigation, but she probably she should have alerted may, Maybe. And, I'm, and that part, I'm not sure of. Um, I just, okay. you know, kind of read that they kind of looked into the arrest records, but they don't really, the articles didn't really highlight why and mm -hmm. I, i'm assuming it's because they were so many that they were like this is a little weird right so they start realizing something's not right and they start noticing that there were similarities and patterns developing so one thing that was highlighted was you know they looked at how 
they thought it was strange that this one burglar allegedly like confessed to committing four separate burglaries on the same day in the town. Like it just didn't make sense how, you know, and then it was maybe another person saying, oh yeah, I did all of these burglaries too. And it, and it said that the pattern of how these confessions were coming out, it just looked, it didn't seem legit Mm. and they looked too similar. Right. And if it's following a pattern, that would be weird because people are different. It's not going to be the same style all the time. Right. So the Miami Herald dives in and there are some really incredible articles that I have linked um, that you can look into, but they dive into the details of what he was up to. So again, things like despite having no evidence, he would have the the officers file the false claims. They would uh, falsify evidence. They just straight up make things up to fit the narrative and clear the cases because it's all about we have to clear the case. Jeez. So one year... Um, you know, like I said, if there were 19 burglaries, he found a way to pin it on black folks to clear the crimes and solve it. And again, like who doesn't want to say like, oh, I solved I these mean, cases, I get, but yes. like, who cares? Like I at know, the but, end of the day, yeah. at the end of the day to put the, that desire above a human's rights. Yeah, no, it's unforgivable. Is s- such a miscarriage of justice and so horrific. Like like they're not equal. They're you know not, what I mean? Like also, someone's stupid cell phone or yes. or whatever else got robbed that sucks and yes. it's terrible. But it is not the same as as stealing someone's life. No. And also <laughs> what bothers me oh my now God. that I'm thinking about it is it's him. Yes, absolutely. He's the mastermind behind this bullshit. But the people went along with it. The officers, yeah. Like they've got to get in trouble too. They're, they're there. You can't tell me. It's like when you covered. Uh, now, listen, I know I keep bringing up past I episodes, know, but I it's because I'm deep diving <laughs> into my new favorite podcast, the Muck Podcast. Um, you covered the city and how oh, every one of that board, yes, were, in California. So, like, how. Do you do that? Like, there's not one well, of these police couple, officers who's well, like, um, I can't do that. I don't want to be involved in well, this. Well, I think that's where some of those letters may have been coming from. Okay. I'm, but I'm not sure. Okay. I'm not sure. And I, I think it was so. coming from families. Like, it was, you know. Yeah. But um, Sound the alarm. Yes. It's but okay. there were two other officers that end up getting in um, trouble, getting in trouble okay. along with him. Yeah. But he basically cajoled them into doing Yes. You know, it's he's the one that's, that's uh. kind of forcing it. So... After the charges in the case um, that I'll get into, they start going back and looking at his work as a patrol officer as well. Oh, no. So he, uh, like I said, he kind of gets these two other officers to do the work with him. And it was a Charlie uh, Dayub and a Raul Fernandez. And they go along into the scam with him and they're also charged and they end up being sentenced for their role in the conspiracy as well because several cops start testifying against them. Mm. So at first he pled not guilty. Um, so, uh, Atesiano is, you know, uh, basically arrested and charged with one count of, uh, civil rights conspiracy and he pleads not guilty, but then he fesses up. And according to Sasha Ingber of Delaware public media, he turned himself over to the police in 2018 and he was out on like this $50,000 personal surety bond and the aftermath, he was tried, um, He then, remember, pleads guilty, and so he got sentenced to three years in prison, which I feel like should be much longer. Yeah. No, it should be every, the same amount of time you gave these people that you you, you set up. So according to the Miami Herald, after his sentencing, uh, Atesiano had this to say, when I took the job, I was not prepared. I made some very, very bad decisions. Like That's it? That's it. Assistant Attorney General Eric Dryband said, said, quote, 
For his own professional benefit, Chief Atesiano corruptly and disgracefully abused his authority and the power of his office to create fictitious clearance statistics by falsely arresting individuals. And Miami Herald reported that Miami-Dade public defender Carlos Martinez said, quote, he fabricated evidence, he damaged lives, even before he was chief. Atesiano issued 2,200 traffic tickets himself in one year, fabricated cases, and wrongfully arrested innocent individuals. Mm. He created a culture of corruption that has further eroded public trust in the criminal justice system, just as appalling as the damage Atesiano has done to law-abiding, hard-working police officers and chiefs. Yes! I mean. So, some points of interest. The new police chief, and they brought him in. He was from uh, Miami area as well, and his name is uh, uh, Luis Cabrera. And he was appointed. And when he started digging into the corruption, he had this to say, quote, they weren't truthful with the reporting of the crimes and violating individual city rights. And he said that the more that he was looking into it, that it made him sick to his stomach because mm. he he was just like shocked yeah. at what they were doing. Well, I also think that if you go into so- some sort of law enforcement or justice system, like you're supposed to have this idea serve and protect yeah and you're supposed to be doing those things <laughs> yes. and doing the right thing yes and we we know that it doesn't matter where you sit in the justice system there's always going to be somebody somewhere who's a dick and like, yes and but it when you watch this and see and you think about the effect and you're in those positions of like this is not you know the justice it, system of course it would make you sick to your stomach it's yeah terrible so um another thing i read was in addition to the conspiracy uh, you know, to frame people, the letters that the former city manager, Chaffron, uh, received also revealed that officers were getting drunk on the job <gasps> and that there was one officer in particular who was just known for spewing like sexist and racist comments Ugh. constantly. Like what's going on in this department? It's a small little yeah. department. Well, CBS News reported this made me laugh, too, uh, that on his resignation, when when he resigned, remember uh, that the city manager she wrote a report, like the city manager's report, and she noted that he had resigned and she offered him the best of luck in his future career. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. He's resigning on allegations of corruption. But again, you know, no one really knew that. So right. she's just like wishing him yeah, well in his career. Gotta keep up those charades. It's so <laughs> wrong. Like she should have blasted him. Well, you know why? It, it's- because here's the thing because but then they now she's roped into this bullshit now she's tied to this fucking piece of shit you know that's trash i know i know what are you gonna do so in 2019 under the new police department in chief there were 47 arrests which is about five percent of what was happening <laughs> so stupid this is so obvious it's like i mean it's just so i mean obvious. compared to 808 <laughs> It's, it's so like, funny. Why though? Like, like I, so stupid. He must be a horrible police chief. Oh I mean, come my on. God. Like, <laughs> so uh, another thing I found interesting was uh, Carlos Martinez, who is the Miami-Dade public defender, and he's still the public defender. He went back and examined every single arrest in that town Oof. from 2010 to 2014 to make sure that they were legit. And if they weren't, he worked to have the charges dismissed. Wow. And he was even a finalist for Public Defender of the Year for his work on that case wow. to make sure that people weren't, you know, that their records were clear. And Ugh. like, that's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. I mean, the town's not that big, but still, but still all besides those arrests, all his other jobs. Yeah. I mean, remember he had, he had 2,000 yeah. something tickets and he had 800. That's, Holy that's a lot. shit, man. 
And then I wanted to talk about one of the victims of this whole thing that I just thought was so terrible of what happened to this uh, man. His name was Clarence Desrolo, and he was a permanent resident from Haiti. And while he did have some run-ins with the law, they were misdemeanors, you know, like minor drug possessions, things mm-hmm. like that, like no, nothing major. And he ended up giving false confession to three burglaries that he didn't commit where there was no evidence. And then he accepted a plea deal for five years in prison to avoid a trial because if he would have gone to trial because of his former misdemeanors, he could have had a possible 30-year sentence. So he wanted to avoid that. And so he just pleads out to crimes that he confessed to that he didn't commit. Damn. Um. And as soon as he was released after serving his time, he was deported back to (gasps) Haiti. Tina! So the Innocence Project fought to have his sentence vacated, which basically like voids the legal judgment and all of that, after he had already been removed from the country. I mean, this guy's life was substantially affected by the selfishness of, of this police chief. It is so terrible. It's so terrible. So... Clarence sued the city and Atesiano in 2018, but from what I found, it seems like the case ended up being dismissed on Ugh. various issues, but he is still fighting to be able to come back this is to incredible. the U.S. What a piece of shit. Garbage. So that's the story of the crooked cop, Raimundo Atesiano. I absolutely love it. I absolutely love that Can story. Can you believe no, I, this? No, I can't. And I and I'm I was like, ashamed. how do we not know yeah, this? I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed of myself. But I mean, this is, I, I feel like we, we have such trash on the front page of our papers sometimes. Like mm-hmm. it's like football and, you know, <laughs> the Kardashians and, and whatever else. Like this is, this should be a front page story. Yeah. That it, people are being it, framed. What, don't you think it probably was? It just, I don't know. I mean, maybe we didn't know. Maybe we didn't know. I don't know. Girl, well, guess what, <gasps> honey? Uh-oh. Keep on your sunblock and sunglasses. Are we in Florida? Still? We're staying in oh! Florida, motherfucker. <laughs> this is so good. Oh my Let me god! Let get my drink. I'm gonna tell you, uh oh, about <laughs> former governor of Florida, Charlie Johns, and the pork chop gang. What? <laughs> <laughs> the pork chop gang. Oink oink, bitch. <gasps> Okay. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait a minute. That's the name of the, that's that's the, the title. title. <laughs> oink oink bitch. I love it. Hold on. I was just thinking. Oink oink bitch. Okay. Oh my god. So well, as you can tell by my sassiness, RuPaul's Drag Race came back out on Friday. A new oh, episode. So my no. my new sassiness is uh, coming out. Okay. Little bit about Charlie. Little little bit about Charlie because really he was a part of a whole thing. But. And a couple like like just bad things, but uh, a little bit about him. Charlie Johns was born in Stark, Florida, in 1905. The city is just northeast of Gainesville. I had to look it up. It's a tiny little northeast Florida state or city. Um, never heard of it before. <laughs> Been yeah. here a long time. Never heard of Stark. He worked as a railroad conductor and insurance agent before being elected to the state senate as a Democrat in 1947. But we know what kind of Democrat he is, right? Yes. He's one of those Southern Democrats, a oh, Dixiecrat, you know, one of these guys. Yes. We know what we're talking about, right? We've talked about it before. So Johns became the Senate president in April of 1953, and he was a member of what was called the Pork Chop Gang. And this was named by a, a Tampa Tribune 
um, journalist who was writing about this group of 20 conservative legislators from North Florida who favored racial segregation oh, and consolidated political power and money in the northernmost, more rural, rural parts of the state. So for our listeners in Denmark, <laughs> they're there. Hi, I Denmark. Know. How Hi, are Denmark. you? I will learn how to say hello in Danish, I guess, at some, <laughs> some point. I like Danish. Cheese Danish is very good. Um, anyway, Florida, little history lesson. I know we've talked about it maybe. Uh, I'm sure we have. But northern Florida is red. It's yes. a red Republican-held part of the state. Yes. And they come out and they vote. And so is like, there's other different parts of Florida, but like from Orlando down is pretty blue. Yeah. And that's why Florida always turns red. We've got, they've got a huge stronghold in northern Florida. And it's at this time, that's, it was just like that as well. These guys were all up in the northeast and northern part of Florida, hanging on to all that power in the Senate. This is kind of fucked up, but also bizarre. Like, this is crazy. One of John's most remembered initiatives during his early state Senate years, hold on, was to build a new portable electric chair to be <gasps> transported by truck no. with, with an electric generator no. and set up in a jail or courthouse where oh. the convicted was sentenced. Oh, and we'll just, so we'll like, just, just fry him right there. Put him up. Why are we waiting? Wow. And think Ugh. about think about how fucked that is now. When Ugh. you think about all the people who are yes. innocent. Yes. Imagine that in the 50s. Yeah, let's just Who's doing like, that? Look at this look at the story you just did. Like you're just going to put it on the back of the pickup truck yeah. and just drive down the street. And these people, these guys this guy's set this cop is setting people up here yeah. in your story. Could you imagine yeah. in the 50s? No, that's it. Oh, fuck this. Um who has so an idea like, though? Like why is that your idea? <laughs> I know. Let's make it portable. Yeah. Well, who are they? Who are they frying? Yeah, it's not oh, white people. No. Okay. Oh my God. So after the death of Governor Dan McCarty on September twenty eighth, nineteen fifty three, Johns became the acting governor under the provisions of the state constitution at which, at that time, which at that time provided for the state senate president to become acting governor upon the death, incapacitation, or resignation of the governor. There oh, was no. Lieutenant I was going to say there's no lieutenant governor. Not at the time. So Dang. he's in there, he's, you know, doing his bullshit as governor, and then he wants to be the, right? So he runs for governor for the seat when it comes up for yes. election. He doesn't want to hold that position anymore. He actually wants to be elected. So in 1954, he runs for his term as governor, and he was defeated by Leroy Collins, who, uh, by all accounts, I don't really talk about him in this story, but uh, he had to fight against these morons, these Senate, oh like, pork chop gang. And he was, like, this really upstanding guy and when segregation gets pushed to the point of like he has to finally say something he ends on the he ends up on the right side he just yeah he made the speech a little later than he should have that's like the one thing i found about this guy but so pork chop gang is it pork because like they're they're okay they're okay you'll get into Um, no i'm so glad you said that because it's not really in here but i was gonna bring that up so he pork barrel projects right so these guys because they were this voting block in the house and in the senate they would um, approve and pass pork barrel projects, Ugh. which means that all of these, the, they, they make sure that all these, on. they're tacking stuff on to send money back to their districts. And so, yeah, it was this voting group of guys who did that kind of thing. Oh but they God. also did these awful like social justice things, like terrible. Oh my God. So yeah, that's what they were doing. So after leaving the governor's office in January of 1955, he returns to the Senate and he serves until 1966. When he returned to the Senate, he supported and was the chairman of the infamous Florida Legislative Investigation Committee. Uh And it was nicknamed the Johns Committee because he was chairman. Um, Johns had seen the success of Representative Martin Dyes. He was a Democrat in Texas. 
a you know southern yes. democrat he had a he started a committee there called the house un-american activities committee oh yeah and so he sought to emulate that yeah in florida uh john's did great so looking so that's terrible basically they were looking to investigate civil rights groups and communists and uh-huh. ki- and, uh, and so the committee set up shop in the racially charged atmosphere of 1956 um Let's see. The stated goal of the committee was to, quote, investigate all organizations whose principles or activities include a course of conduct on the part of any person or group which could constitute violence or a violation of the laws of the state or would obstruct the well-being and orderly pursuit of their personal and business activities by the majority of the citizens of the state. Here we go. Right. Majority. Right. We're talking about white. So the goal of the committee was basically to stop the civil rights movement in Florida. This is because the, the Florida is the South. We live in the yes, South. Like that's yes. what it is. We forget. We forget. We forget. And when you go to Northern Florida, they got that. Oh, and oh, I watched. There's please. a great Jacksonville's like that. Yeah. And when I went to uh, was watching a video, they did like there was like a little 15 minute like documentary about this on YouTube, and all they're the guys interviewing all these jokers right and they're like well we wanted to start this committee because we wanted oh, to God. make sure that uh, we didn't like that name pork chop gang and i was like oh, oh <laughs> it's, like no. the, it's like hearing that banjo music yeah like yes. no, no get me out no. of this fucking get me back to south florida <laughs> where there's the uh, cops who set people up for crime oh my god <laughs> anyway um so the committee also participated in the Red Scare, which is like rounding right. up, per- you know, people who are perceived to be yeah, communists. Yeah, this is all, co- yeah, everyone read the Crucible because yeah. it's, you know, basically, you know, an allegory for the political witch hunts of, yes. Yes. of all of this. Yes, and so yes. They, they participated in the Red Scare and the Lavender Scare, which is like gays, l- l- rounding up gays, by investigating communists, the LGBT community, um, and civil rights activists among the students and faculty of Florida's university systems. Okay, oh so we're going to get God. into that. Yeah. So first, let's talk a little bit about this disproportionate district. So while Florida was becoming increasingly urban and cosmopolitan, the legislature was disproportionately controlled by the rural, rural. I can never say that word. Yeah. North Florida. So House members were elected by county, even though. Miami-Dade County had about 20% of the state's population in 1960. It had scarcely more representatives than Liberty County, which is still the smallest county in Florida. Oh, my God. So there was only two reps from each county. And like right now. Wait, what? Yes. And so so if you get all of those reps in those northern counties to to vote together. Then it's over. That's right. And so any decision, when you make a decision on a statewide law, it affects the entire state. So when your state is this divided and you got 20% of the population in Miami-Dade County having to go along with rural North Florida. This is ridiculous. Right. So eventually, of course, these laws change. Right. But they had to, the legislature, this legislature had to change it. Yeah. (laughs) I can't change it. This governor, Collins, was very much about, that was what he ran on. Right. I'm going to break this shit up. Good. Like, this is not going to happen. It eventually changes. I think right now Broward has, I think, 10 reps in the house. Like, you know, but you, it's more likely people aren't going right. to band together like this, although they do it by party now. So it's yeah. not like. I mean. Anyway, so as a voting block, those rural areas of Ocala, they just controlled everything um, in Tallahassee. So segregation repeatedly in the period from 1955 to 1960, the pork choppers sent hardcore segregationist legislation to the governor, including a bill that would have closed Florida's public schools, closed them down rather than integrate. Oh my God. Okay. 
this reminds me of COVID a little bit, <sighs> a little bit, a little bit where they say, you know, they're telling people the county, our county saying, go fuck yourself to Tallahassee. But they're, they're like, if you don't open, you're not getting money. Well, no, I mean, they did about, that. I know, and they did o- but that's why we opened. Yeah. And now the next thing is going to be, <clears throat> if students don't go back, they're not, they're expelled, yeah. right? Like that'll be the next thing, forcing people to go to the school, yeah. even though. I don't know. For some reason, it, it reminded me of that. When Governor Collins vetoed that bill, the integration, the, you know, rather than integrate, the legislation passed what's called an interposition resolution, which Collins strongly objected to, but had no authority to veto. So this is what an interposition resolution is. Under the theory of interposition, a state assumes the right to interpose itself between the federal government and the people of the state by taking action to prevent the federal government from enforcing laws that the state considers unconstitutional. Mm -hmm. So similar resolutions had been passed in Virginia, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, and South Carolina. Everybody in the South. It wasn't until I believe the Supreme Court was like Brown versus Board of Education. So, and it became federal law. One of the first actions of the committee, this this committee that he ran, was to target a Florida A&M faculty, I'm sorry, facility, who had been active in the Tallahassee bus boycott of 1956. So Florida A&M University is a um, historical black college in Florida, and they were participating in that bus boycott, and they went after this facility that had, you know, all of their... Their activities there. The next target was the NAACP, who were required to turn over their membership list to the committee. Oh, here we go. The NAACP had seen a list of its members discovered by Lake County Sheriff Willis McCall fall into the hands of the local Ku Klux Klan. Oh, so the, my God. So the national organization went to court and won a U.S. Supreme Court ruling that prevented Johns and his committee from acquiring the list. So thank God. They said, fuck you. We're not giving wow. you our list. We already, we, this sheriff already took a list and wow. it went to the, like, no way. Right. So. Wow. I mean, yeah. just, I, I, oh God, I, I can't stand this. And, and like, why, why do you need that list I for? Know. Well, what's the deal? You know, I, come on. Right. Cause they're all in those hoods. Yes. Right. Come yes. on. I mean, I don't, don't want to assume things, but. Okay, so the lavender scare. So the Johns Committee had for several years conducted a witch hunt for homosexuals in public schools, universities, and state government agencies, believing they were part of a communist strategy to, quote, subvert the American way of life by controlling academic institutions and by corrupting the nation's moral fiber, end quote. This is in our state government. Yeah. Can you believe this? Listen, there's still, I feel like, an attack on our university systems to try to make them less liberal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, The committee was responsible for revoking teacher certificates and firing university professors. Oh, my God. By 1963, the committee had forced the dismissal or resignation of of over 100 professors and deans (gasps) at the University of Florida, Florida State University, and the University of South Florida. One over 100 people. And I got to tell you, like, I don't know what the odds are that they're all part of the LGBTQ community. I mean, there's probably a part where they're like, I'm not. What are you talking about? But just this little tiny perceived thing. Yeah. Like, where's the evidence? Or they just want them out. Yeah. Right? Right. Because maybe they're a rabble rouser. Maybe they're they're part of the civil rights movement or whatever. That's, you know. One professor, Sigismond Dietrich, chair of the geography department of the University of Florida, attempted suicide after being investigated by the committee. My God. I mean, pieces of shit. So they wrote a pamphlet. Oh, God. And it was called the Purple Pamphlet, but the title that was on it was Homosexuality and Citizenship in Florida. It was published published in January 1964 
by the committee. It had the Florida this Legislative is, Investigation is, Committee on it. I am shocked. <laughs> I am shocked. It's one thing if it's like a group of people who are cuckoo, but like this is coming from the state. Yeah. The law. And we're, people aren't out, by the way. No. It was no, no, not, no, no, this no, is no, not a no, thing. No. So you, you're talking about even keeping people further in the closet right. when this kind of shit is going on. So the booklet contained several pornographic images and a glossary of terminology used in the gay community. No. It was sold for 25 cents a copy with a discount for bulk orders of 100 copies or more. But what if people are like, oh, I'm going to see what's going on and they right? just buy it for that. Fucking quarter. I, yeah. I guess it'd have to depend where the money's going. Like, is this a Chick-fil-A situation where I don't want to give Chick-fil-A my money? Um Anyway, by publishing its findings, the committee hoped to persuade the legislature to enact comprehensive anti-homosexual legislation and to, quote, shock Floridians into accepting its program. I hate this state so much. This is why Florida sucks. Well, I mean, on a list of 100 reasons, this is like... This is there. It's there. 55. Yeah, it's... it's, But it's up there. We have terrible history, but most states do, right? I know, but I just feel like... What are we doing here? What are we doing in the state? <laughs> that's the that's that's Get the name of the out. list. That's the name of the list. One hundred <laughs> things wrong with Florida. What am I doing here? Yes. <laughs> um, okay. Well, first <sighs> of all, it's like seventy-five degrees out. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's so beautiful. That's number one. And there's pesky hurricanes every once in a while. We gotta yes. deal with that. But, uh, what else? The education system could <sighs> be better. <laughs> okay, let me stop the list. Fourteen okay, jumps stop. out the window. I'm jump out. <laughs> Get me out. Um, the report viewed homosexuals as the carriers of degenerative disease that pose a greater menace to society than child molesters oh my god the committee expected readers to select a theory conforming to its own views and the pamphlet portrayed gays as sex fiends who spent every free moment searching for anonymous partners recruiting youth and or transmitting venereal diseases okay i mean come on so instead of becoming a bestseller as its authors hoped the purple pamphlet provoked a backlash of criticism for its explicit photogra- photographs of gay men involved in sexual activities you know pretty. i can't even believe that they, they <laughs> like who they, went could you imagine they go and buy a nudie magazine and like cutting and pasting yeah, like one I of mean, those weird like serial killer what letters what are they doing i don't what I don't are know. they doing and then as the Obsessed. state i know but as a, the state to be like the, who who? No, I don't know. In the government, but said, think about yes, this. Let's print this but and even, put this out with the Florida seal but even on it. Like even the whole idea of like these dudes sitting around a big table yeah. with cigars. Like I know what we'll do. Yeah. We'll, we'll, what if we we'll put out shock pictures? Them. Yeah. yeah, of these disgusting pictures, yeah. right? Like the, just the well, who's going to go get the magazine? How are we going to get yeah. these pictures? Like, oh my god! In the what is going on here? So a Miami-Dade County official threatened to bring legal action against the committee and the state attorney general, quote, warned the the committee uh, to cease distribution of this obscene and pornographic material. A gay book club in Washington, D.C. sold reprints of the pamphlet for $2 a piece. Yes, I was going to say, you know, people are going to be like, hey, hey. Let, me, let me see what's going on. <laughs> I the idea that it's used now for like maybe even yes. jerk off material makes yes. me so fucking happy. Yes. Like it's the opposite of what you thought it was going to be. Now oh, it's just like well, beautiful I mean, pictures. They're, what did they think was going to happen? Like I people don't know. Wanna, it's like um, it's like going to the peep show. You yeah. know, I went one yes. time. I went to um, Miami and it was oh my god, Art Basel. Oh, and they have it. like yeah. all the performance art and they had one of the, they had a whole thing set up with like the, the sheets and like little peepholes. Oh, cool. And I mean, and they showed everything. Like you didn't know what you were going to see. And it was like, oh, hey, but you want to look and see what's going yes. on behind that sheet. It's human nature. Yes. Yeah. 
So the backlash from the pamphlet controversy destroyed the committee, which disbanded on July 1st, 1965, after the legislature refused to continue to fund its activities. Oh, God bless. I can't even believe (laughs) that it took that long. (laughs) I can't even believe that it got printed, that it got, because I mean, they're in the committee, so they had to... Oh, yeah. You know, are they following Robert's rules of order <laughs> of of we're going to vote on this? Oh, God. We're going to approve it. You know, I mean, all the steps to right. that, that it took to even create it. Right. And what were they at a meeting? Like, let's look at the final draft I, before I, we send it out. It's I, what, weird. It's so weird. I know. I know. Um, so finally, the records of the um, the committee's investigations were sealed by the legislature until 2028. Although in the early 1990s, redacted copies were placed in the Florida State Archives for public inspection. So we could totally go in. I want to see and this. See, yeah, what they, yes. like meeting minutes? I don't know. Like, well, yes. Can you totally look, the investigations? Could you imagine if like one of your relatives was one of these professors oh. that were fired? Wouldn't you want to look at like what evidence they had? What, what were they doing? What happened? Yes. Yeah. Anyway, oh that's God. the story of the pork chop gang. They're swine. <laughs> They're swine is what they are. Oh, my God. I love it. It's my that favorite. That is wild. <laughs> I know. I want to see the pamphlet. I want to know, too. like, and, like what it, and they had a glossary. They had a glossary in the back with, like, with terminology. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I saw some pictures. I'll send them to you. I, w- I wasn't going to include it in no, our no, no, Instagram, no, no. but I'll totally send it to you. But And maybe I'll put a link to where people can go uh, look at it. But, um. I don't really want to spread no, no, you know, no, no, this no. terrible bullshit. I just, I'm curious as to how it was framed. I'm yeah. just curious. I have to say that Because I, if the other bookstore then sold it, yeah, like yeah, yeah. How, did, they, did they sell it as it was? Did they change anything? No, I think they sold it as it was. Yeah, it was like, look at what this, look at this yeah. thing. Yeah. And then they made so much more money off I of it. I think the greatest, great. the greatest um, part of my life, this generation growing up right now is the the uh the change of the gay com- the view of the gay community and the lgbtq community it's like the god. greatest thing that's ever happened Thank god i had an uncle that was in the closet forever and it wasn't even towards the end until the t- the end of his life where we where we actually acknowledged it and yeah. you know saw him with his friends and i i god i i talked about it before anyway but just god i wish i had had those moments with him where yeah. we could have gone to bars and Wilt Manors together, which is this beautiful or just, city yeah, I grew up in. Uh, just be authentic. Yeah, with one and another. be together. Yeah, and, be together. Uh, and now to be able to sit on a board as an ally and say, like, I support this community and I love yeah. them. I mean, it's just it just means the world to me that my children are going to be in a world where if this is who they are, they'll be loved and accepted. It just makes me so fucking yes. happy. Yes. And, and uh, we, but we still, there's still so much work that needs to be done to do because the trans, still, the trans community especially needs to have our support yeah. more than ever. So you're right. there's still so many places in Florida yeah. where people hold right. these backwards. All I, I know this, school. that if you're in Northern Florida and you're in this Ideas. backwoods thing and you have the ability to leave and go to, a, there's other, there are cities nearby yes. that are more metropolitan and that will be more accepting. Isn't and that so, always the way though? I feel like the cities are always like a little more liberal yeah. and it's these rural. You know what? People are busy. Yeah. We don't have time to go. What's that? What's happening? Yeah. Who is that? Let's gossip. No, I have a I got to go to work. I know. I have to go raise my kids. Like I don't have time yeah. to worry about my neighbor to to and his tomorrow. bullshit. <laughs> yeah. God. Anyway. Right. That was a great, great story. No idea. Mm. No idea. We have a terribly racist. We we talked about Napoleon Broward, but like we have a terribly racist uh, history in the state. 
God, I wonder if there is just any state that that, <laughs> no. that that started off more purely. No, there is none. none. Every none. starting with the east, going all the way to the west. Think about it's the like, carnage. Oh my God, of indigenous yeah. people moving west in this country. I it's know. like just it's mass just, carnage, and it's not. A, I don't mean a giggle or laugh after. It's just yeah. like it's fucking ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Every aspect of this fucking country has been built on. Yeah, and then we we've talked horseshit. about this too. Like like how do we. We need a big sage yeah. cleansing. My neighbor has a huge American flag in their front yard, and I, I, I struggle. I struggle with now looking at the American flag. I never yeah. used to. I have oh, to no. tell you now. When I yeah now it it's become it was a a, a source of pride when I was a kid. But yeah. now knowing really now knowing yeah our now history, it's been yeah. But now I feel like too the flag has been sort of co opted by the Republican the other thing. Party, yes. and it's it's this you know you know somehow demonstrating that someone is more patriotic than you right. and it's all everything but all the, tied up even going anywhere in this country if you go to a, a like a, a reservation their their view of uh oh the flag, flag is colonization and like the 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 mass murder of their people and you know yeah, how so do, depending on where you are it really could mean something else too yeah if you're a liberal it means something else too yeah somebody i knew wanted to like we need to take the flag back. And I was like, why that flag though? Like that, yeah. <laughs> we're going to take that, that back. I mean, I don't know. I wish, I hope I can view it in a different way again someday. But right now it's just very difficult for me to, to look at it and have some sort of like, I know maybe we just change it. Yeah. That's a good a, idea. We need a revamping. <laughs> we need a messaging brand, yes. new branding for the United States of America. Get on it, Tina. Get Please. Canva. Get in Canva and start rebranding <laughs> that bitch. Rebrand. Rebrand. All right. Well, I will see you next week. I love right. you so much. I, you know, Tina had me at her house for New Year's Eve. And I have to tell you, because I was alone. My Everybody in my house was gone. And I had the best time. So oh. I, I love you and your family. is just so beautiful and brilliant. And I just... No, I'm uh, crying. I met your brother. He was yes, fantastic. My so brother. cute. You guys look alike. It's very bizarre. You do. You look similar. Yes. Oh my god. But uh, you know, your husband is delightful and oh my fun, god. and he's your kids so are adorable. Ridiculous, my husband. I know, but you know, he <laughs> loves. I love that he's like trying to get conversations going, even if it's about like whatever. He he has an opinion. Oh yes, which is why I think he'd be so good on here. I was oh, thinking, I like, told him. I'm like, you got to come <laughs> on the show, and he. he, he <laughs> No. He has but a lot to say. He would be a fun special guest. He would be a fun <laughs> special guest. So uh, thank you again for having me at your house. And uh, hey, Happy New Year, man. Happy New Year. All right. I'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. If you want to see any photos or take a deeper dive into our stories, please follow the episode notes on our website, themuckpodcast.fireside.fm. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Muck Podcast. To support the Muck Podcast, please visit our Patreon page. We have three levels of support and different goodies for each level. Muckraker, Policy Wonk, or Bleeding Heart. We can't do it without you. Music for the Muck Podcast, written and performed by Sean Dougherty.